Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Come on, praise the Lord. God is so good. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Glory to God. Amen. Now, I was just praying about what to uh, minister tonight. And uh, I, I felt to minister a word that, that is going to be challenging, amen, and I don't think you would expect anything different from me, right? <laughs> Praise God. Amen. The title of my message is simply this, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the labors are few, amen? They'll have the PowerPoint up there when the scriptures flow, but now I want to say this. Now, I know as a, uh, as a whole, okay, this fellowship it's amazing, amen. And, and it's an example to, to many. But in the midst of being a part of this local church, amen, it's easy to neglect your personal responsibility as a believer. Oh, hello, somebody. Meaning that the church as a whole is experiencing revival, seeing souls saved, people disciples, churches being planted, doing great and awesome things to expand the kingdom of God. But what about you on a personal level? Hello, somebody. I want to ask you, are you doing what you are supposed to be doing? Are you personally preaching the gospel and making disciples? And this is what I want to address today. Now I want to start off by reading Mar Matthew 9, 35 through 38. This is what the word of the Lord says. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Say he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion for them. Why? Why? Why was he moved with compassion? Because they were scattered, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore... Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. I want to highlight that Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. From tonight's message, I want to stir up some more laborers for the harvest field. Oh, yeah. I'm coming after you. Amen. <laughs> now, I want to show you, listen to me, friend. Some very sobering statistics concerning the state of the church in America in regards to soul winning and evangelism. Look at the screen here. Look at the next slide here. Uh, Michael Parrott writes this. Look at the screen here. 95% of all Christians have never won someone to the Lord. Whoa. 95% of all Christians have never won someone to the Lord. 80% of Christians never share their faith. 2% of all Christians 
are active in evangelism ministries at their church. 63% of all church leadership hasn't led one stranger to Jesus in the last two years through the method of go ye into all the world. Listen to me, friend. These are some very sobering and crazy numbers. And then we wonder why this world as a whole is so far from God. The truth is the only answer for all the drug addiction, the perversion, the gang violence, and every sin that you can imagine in this world, the only answer is Jesus Christ. That's the only answer, friend. And, and guess what? We're all proof of it. Hello, somebody. In this room, we have many, many, many backgrounds. We have many places that we all came from. And guess what? It wasn't AA, AAA, you know what I'm saying, all these other, you know what I'm saying, programs, amen, that fixed you. No, it was an encounter with the living God. It was an encounter with Jesus Christ. It was the gospel being preached to you. It was you getting saved, amen, that transformed your life and brought immediate deliverance in your life. I got saved 25 years ago, and it was I, when I called upon the name of Jesus, May 24th, 1998, the Lord supernaturally, instantaneously set me free from a lifestyle of gangs and violence and a whole mess of sin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Instantaneously. What happened? I called on Jesus. What happened to you? You called on Jesus. What? He's the only answer. And the world around you needs you to share with them how you got set free. They need to hear your testimony. They need to hear the gospel message. Amen. But you're like, you know, I got a personal relationship with God. The problem is it's so personal, no one knows about it. Oh, hello, somebody. Church, we're all commanded to preach the gospel. Look, we all know this verse, Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Tell your neighbor, you are commanded to preach the gospel. Amen? Say, I am commanded to preach the gospel. This is something that the Lord did not make optional. This is not for the few, the chosen, no, the few little ones, no, no. It's for everyone. Every single Christian is called to preach the gospel. We're all called to go to the streets, amen, where the, to, to reach out to the lost, to the public places, wherever there are souls, we are called to go to these places and preach the good news. Like John the Baptist, like Jesus, like the early church did. John the Baptist, amen, was an open air preacher who led many to repent, amen, and be baptized. He preached with tremendous power, preparing the way of the Lord. Most of Jesus' ministry was done in the open, in the streets, on the countryside, and in the villages. And in many cases, listen to me, friend, the public was his congregation. An example of this is found in Matthew 
13, 1 through 3, look what the Bible says. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying... So we see right here in the public, amen, amen, many times the public was his congregation. Jesus, say Jesus. Jesus, amen, was a public street preacher. He was a public teacher of God's word. Something I hate to say that many Christians are ashamed to do. This is true. This is true. The greatest sermon ever preached, known as the Sermon of the, on the Mount, found in Matthew 7 through 11, was preached in the open air on a hilltop. The greatest sermon was not in the walls, but outside the church walls. Amen. Jesus sent the 12 disciples out to preach in the streets and villages to do the same thing what they've seen him doing. Luke 9, 1 through 6, what the Bible says, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the gospel, the kingdom of God, preach the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing for the journey, neither staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you when you go out of the city, Shake off the dust, very dust from your feet, as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Amen. Jesus also sent out the 70 to preach in the streets and villages. You can find that in Luke chapter 10. Listen to me, friend. Jesus trained, amen, his disciples to be street preachers. Oh, hello, somebody. He, treat, he, he, he discipled them. He trained them, amen, to go out to the streets, to go out to the villages, to go preach the gospel. Hello? Remember when he first called the many in Matthew 4, 19? What did he say? Follow me. And what did he say? The whole purpose of it. And I will make you what? Fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He was calling them to follow him. Amen. Amen. To, to make them. Amen. To go. To be fishers of men. Hello, somebody. That's why after Jesus ascended into heaven, they continued to preach the gospel. On the day of Pentecost, amen, Peter opened air preached to thousands. And guess what happened? 3,000 souls got saved. In Acts chapter 3, Peter opened air preached again after the healing of a lame beggar. Amen, because the people came running up to him in amazement. And, his, and, and it resulted in many more getting saved. Why? Why did this happen? Because they preached the gospel in the public where the lost are at. See, the place, this is, this is, this is you got to catch this. The place, you would always find Peter and the other apostles was in the streets, out in the public. 
This is true. They were always out in the public. They were always out in the streets preaching the gospel. Let me show you some examples. Mark, I mean, excuse me, Acts 5, 15 through 16. So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Can you say amen? The apostles, amen, not only were discipled to be preachers, but guess what? They discipled their disciples to be street preachers also. Why? Because Jesus said in Matthew 28, amen, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, right? Teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. So basically, teach others what I've taught you. So the disciples' disciples were, not, were also street preachers. They also went out, amen, and preached the gospel. That's why you can find an example of this in Acts chapter 8. Philip preached in the streets of the, in the, of the city of Samaria. Watch this. In Acts 8, 4 through 8, look what it says. Acts 8, 4 through 8. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things uh, spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. The results are found in verse 12. But when they had believed Philip, as he preached the, uh, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. This man, amen, when persecution came, he didn't run and hide. He went, amen, to Samaria. He knew that the mission was at hand to go continue to preach the gospel. Jesus gave the task in Acts 1.8. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. For you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It started locally, nationally, internationally, amen, cross-cultural, and then internationally. It's expanded from Jerusalem to the nations, this is why every local church should be a local church with a global vision. Hello. What starts here locally isn't meant to stay here locally. Amen. Are you understanding this? So they knew the mission. They already knew. Amen. See, see these men, they gave their lives to the Great Commission. I'm wondering whatever happened to these kind of disciples that are willing to give their lives for the gospel's sake. How much do you really believe this thing? How much do you really believe it? Are you happy with just coming to church and singing and getting some goosebumps? And that's it? That's the most your Christianity is? Is that it? I clock in, clock out, come to church, and that's it? That's all there is. That's Christianity. 
I've never read in the Bible, you're called to sit. You're called to do nothing. All I hear is go, go, go. But the problem is too many are saying no, no to the go. Hello. They preached the gospel wherever they went. Publicly and boldly. Another example, look at Acts 17, 16 and 17. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw the city was given over to idols. Hello, somebody, watch this. His, his spirit was provoked, amen. He was grieved by what he's seen. And, and because of this, look what he did. How many are grieved by what you see? How many are grieved by all that's going on? Amen. For I'm not ashamed, but it's the power of God and the salvation for all who will believe. This is true. If you know me, this ain't hype. This is who I am. Praise God. Amen. See, I'm showing you. These scriptures are full of examples of believers, open air preaching, going to the streets, amen, going to the marketplaces, amen, and where the lost are at and preach the gospel. John the Baptist, Jesus, the 12 disciples, the 70, the disciples, disciples, the apostles, and the early church, amen, even if, uh, uh, they, they all had revival because they went to the streets. They went to the villages. They went to the marketplaces. They went house to house and shared the gospel. And this is something we must do. Jesus, in some of his last words, were all about what? The Great Commission. Preaching the gospel and making disciples. If this is what was dearest to his heart, shouldn't it be what's dearest to our hearts? And, and, and again, I'm not trying to, uh, to attack you. I'm not trying to take jabs at you. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm not trying to beat the sheep. You understand what I'm saying? But I'm trying to challenge you that will result in change. I didn't come here tonight with a heavy revy. I didn't come here tonight with some deep, deep teaching. I came here on a mission to stir you to action. This is true. So I want that to really sink in. When did you personally last win someone to Christ? Think about that. Chances are many have been saved and have never led one person to Jesus. That's crazy. How long have you been saved? Oh, bless God, I've been saved 20 years. Yeah, how many people have you led to Christ? I know John 3.16. You know what's happened. I'm not saying this is, I'm not saying, I'm not taking jabs. This is the truth. We've made this into a me Christianity. Do you believe in a real heaven and hell? No, really. Do you really believe in it? A real heaven and a real hell. It's really, really real. If it's really, 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 really real to you, it will stir you to action. 
It will stir you to come out of your comfort zones. You know, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he said, I wish that all my soldiers, he, that's what he called the people in his ministry, I said, I wish all my soldiers would spend five minutes in hell because then they would come back with a greater burden to reach the loss. See, if you experienced hell for five minutes, you wouldn't want no one to go there, not even your worst enemy. You would want everyone to be saved. There would be an urgency inside of you. There would be a passion inside of you that, man, I got to share the gospel. I got I to tell this person about Jesus. Listen to me, friend. Whenever I meet people and I have a conversation, I have a couple things going on in my head. I'm like smiling with my face, but in the back of my mind, I'm, and I'm praying like, Lord, help me figure out, open the door for me to preach, to share the gospel with them, to tell them about you, Lord. When I meet you, that's what I'm thinking. How can I tell you about Jesus? There's an urgency inside of me, and it's been this way for 25 years. It ain't stopped. It's because it's real. So again, when have you personally led somebody to Christ? Some of you are like, Oh, you know, I, I share the gospel all the time. I post things on the internet all the time. I, I do all kind of videos, you know. Problem is, all your friends, they're already saved. You're preaching to the choir. Oh, I got so many views. Yeah, 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 but uh, that's just other church folk. Maybe a few unsaved, maybe a few backsliders. <laughs> Hello. I'm not against social media. We're all for it. It does great things. I'm not bashing that. I'm saying don't let that be your only means for sharing the gospel. Because believe me, social media is huge, and it does reach people. Believe me, it does. Amen. What I'm simply saying is, there's something that God is calling you to do, and that is to get personal with people. Amen. Hello. I was around a group of uh, believers uh, some years back, and I asked a simple question. I mean, I thought everyone knew this. And I asked a simple question. I said, do you know what the gospel is? Oh, yeah, it's the book of uh, Matthew, book of Mark. Yeah, that is one of the gospel books, right? Oh, it's the good news. Well, what's that good news? And they did not know the gospel message. And chances are, and I'm not trying to be mean, some of you probably don't know the gospel message. Let me show you 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. This is what it says, real simple. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you, this is what the Apostle Paul said, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which you also received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, 
Unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died. Here's the gospel message. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Christ died for our sins, was buried, and was raised again on the third day. This is the foundation of our faith. Let me, let me put on the screen here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope I can, yeah, you guys got this. Uh, let me just give you some four simple key points to sharing the gospel. I hope they have that. Number one, God loves every person and desires to have a personal relationship with his creation. Number two, because of the fall of Adam, the willful act of uh, disobedience he committed against God, he ate uh, from the tree. All uh, mankind has been separated from God. Adam represents all mankind, so when he sinned, we sinned in him. Besides sinning in Adam, we have all personally sinned. There is nothing any person alone can do to bridge this separation and gain access to God. This separation is eternal. Number three, Jesus Christ, God in human form, the Son of God, came to earth and paid the penalty for the sins of every person by dying on the cross in their place. Jesus then rose from the dead, thereby conquering death and giving eternal life to those who will follow him. Jesus is the only way to God the Father. Number four, for true salvation to take place, a person must repent, change the way he thinks, and realizes that he is a sinner in need of a savior. He must confess his sins, turn from his life of sin. He must confess that Jesus is Lord, believe that he died on the cross, amen, for, his, for the sins of this world, rose from the grave on the third day, receive him into their heart as Lord and Savior. Once a person has done these things from the heart, he is saved. He is born again. He has become a child of God. He has become a citizen of the kingdom of God. He is indwelt with, and sealed with the spirit of God, amen. And he is granted eternal life completely forgiven for all his sins. That is the gospel message. This is the greatest news that we can share with anybody. Listen to me, friend. If you really study, the, uh, study this out, you can share the gospel within a few short minutes with people. Look at this. One more, couple more verses. Romans 10, 13 through 17. These are familiar verses. For whoever, say whoever. Whoever means whoever. Whether you study that in Greek, English, Chinese, Spanish, whoever is whoever. Whoever, say whoever. whoever. That means even the worst of sinners. That means even, amen, the, the, the worst person you can think of. Amen. Whoever is included in that. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how, how here we go. And how shall they, who's the they, the whoever's, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a? Without who? Tell your neighbor, without you. Tell yourself, without me. Hello? How should they hear without a preacher? How should they hear without you reach Paramount? Amen? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? You're sent. God bless you. Go. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Watch this. And as it is written, how beautiful, say beautiful, are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. I mean, my goodness. In the spirit realm, you either got beautiful feet or you got some spiritual corns. 
I mean, in the natural, you get the pedicures, they look all good, painted and done all the stuff for you ladies, right? You know, and you understand what I'm saying? But in the, in the spirit realm, it can be like, Aah! you know what I'm saying? Nasty. You know what I'm saying? Right? So here's the thing. How do your feet look in God's eyes? You got beautiful feet or you got some corns? <laughs> huh? We don't want to be walking around with some spiritual corns, amen? <clears throat> Who brings glad tidings of good things? But they have not, heard, have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The world around you needs you to preach the gospel to them. They need you to step out of your comfort zone and do it. I want all of you to be convinced tonight that the greatest thing that you can do for anyone is share the gospel with them. Because it's the greatest message of hope for this lost world. See, listen to me. If what takes place inside these church walls doesn't overflow to outside these church walls, then the ultimate goal has not been reached. The result, amen, the result of having powerful encounters with God, amen, it should follow the example of what we read in Acts chapter 1 and 2. Amen. In Acts chapter 1 and 2, you read, amen, that they went and they seek God. And then after around 10 days, amen, they, on the day of Pentecost, amen, the Holy Ghost fell. And they were baptized with the Holy Ghost. And what happened? Amen. The people were tripping like, what's going on? So what did they do? They went outside the walls. After having an encounter with God, after getting filled with the Holy Ghost, they went outside the church walls. And began to open and preach. And when that took place, 3,000 souls got saved. But it didn't stop there. Because after they got saved, they entered the process of discipleship. Acts 2, 42 through 47. All right, there's two goes. Go preach the gospel and go make disciples. One's done inside the church walls and one's done outside the church walls. Hello? So they preached and made disciples. Why did they do that? Because for three years, they were trained, they were discipled to what? To be soul winners and disciple makers. Oh, you got to get that. They were discipled for three years to become soul winners and disciple makers. We've seen again in Matthew 4, 19. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So they were discipled to become soul winners. And then after they were discipled, he said, you go make disciples. So they were also discipled to, be, to make disciples. Are you understanding this? I want to ask you, why do you think, what do you think the goal of your discipleship is? Biblical discipleship should always result in disciples making disciples. It should always be discipleship 
that produces soul winners and disciple makers who make disciples, who make disciples, and it doesn't stop. Hear me. I want to get personal. Who's discipling you? Who are you allowing to speak in your life? Who are you allowing to impart to you? I go to church. Yes, it's good. We come to church. I didn't ask that. I said, who's discipling you? Who's speaking into your life? Who are you accountable to? Don't get lost in the crowd. Biblical spiritual growth, biblical growth comes through discipleship. Amen. Praise God. In closing, we can't lose sight of the Great Commission. Evangelism should be a part of your everyday life. Listen to me. Evangelism needs to be a lifestyle. A lifestyle. Everywhere you go, you should be sharing the gospel. <laughs> Hello? Hello? I guarantee you, you guys got tracks, you got flyers, you got all these things. When's the last time you told someone to come to church? When's the last time you preached to someone? You don't got to complicate it. You don't have to complicate it. You have a flyer. You're checking out. I always do this all the time. I always carry tracks with me. I always carry flyers with me. Everywhere I go, I'm always carrying them. And when I check out, you know, have a good day. Well, thank you. I want to give you something to read about Jesus. I want you to know he loves you very much. Oh, thank you. Plant a seed. Do you know how many people are part of our ministry? Literally all around the world from just flyers. Our church in Pittsburgh is full of people that have come from the streets. Church in Barcelona, people have come from the streets. Our different churches that we have, they're all people that come from the streets. Evangelism. We disciple people to make evangelism a lifestyle. Not only make it a part of your everyday life, get involved in the scheduled outreaches. I know there's the faithful few. Why not make it the faithful bunch? Everybody. You know how powerful it is? I'm closing. I'm closing. I really am. But you know how powerful it would be if you just took over? We would In Pittsburgh, we would just take over street, whole four corners. All kind of folk out there. Preaching signs and run up to cars and hand out tracts, getting people to come over and pray for you and minister and we go into the neighborhoods. It don't matter. We just preach the gospel. Could you imagine if two, three hundred of you would just take over a block? You know what kind of statement that makes? No, no, seriously. Seriously. <laughs> Why not? Why not? I hope this stirred you up tonight. I hope this stirred you. Amen. I want you to close your eyes. 
Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.